Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So we are doing our second part of our series called Life and Legacy. And as a bit of a recap, we are looking at um, some of the more things that perhaps are incredibly significant in the church and in the kind of when you read the, the New Testament you read these things and they're really significant moments but for some reason in the charismatic church we shift away from them we don't really talk about them as much as perhaps I think we should do um, we do some things so we do Christmas because obviously that's when Jesus was born um, we do Easter and Good Friday and all that kind of stuff because obviously that's when Jesus went to the cross when he rose again and we do those things we think they're awesome but we don't necessarily look at them when Jesus left as a significant thing we looked at last week to do ascension we talk about this occasionally and it usually comes in a context of when we want to kind of talk about how the church began and what we should do as church but we don't really talk about Pentecost much um, as well as other ones there's other ones that we're not even pick, looking at right now but we don't look at the point when um, Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive and give birth to Jesus but how significant a moment is that as a new couple remember when we first found out we were pregnant with Zachary how how significant a moment that was for us and I'm not saying that that's not as significant but Mary just found out she's going to be conceiving the son of God and therefore it's a hugely significant moment but for some reason we we just skip over it but we kind of just you talk about in the concept of other things and therefore this idea of life and legacy is is to kind of do that is to take a time and a moment to to look at those things and realize actually these play a significant part in our walk with Jesus and as our walk as a community and as our in our expression of his heart into this world. And so this morning, um, we're going to look at Pentecost. And again, as per last week, we, are, we decided as a preaching group to put ourselves into the lectionary. So I'm only using scripture references this morning that are from the lectionary. I'm not using anything that I have decided to use, as tempting as that is sometimes. Um, but it's purely based on those things that are kind of dictating. The really powerful thing about that is that these same scriptures are being shared across the country, up and down, um, in multiple of the churches this morning. And they're all reading the same thing. Now maybe they are reading them differently to us, but the point is they're reading the same thing and it's reminding of those things. And that's a powerful moment, something very significant to be connected to. So um, I just want you to turn to the first one for us this morning, which obviously is fairly obvious, and we're going to go to Acts 2. I'm going to Acts 2. And the context here is quite significant for me because, like we talked about last week, the context is you've had a set of guys who have followed this Jesus man for three and a half years. They have seen him literally turn their world and the world upside down. They, they have seen him challenge empires and empires run in kind of terror and fear of what he can do despite the fact he used no violence, no no coercion, no no attack on them and yet they've just somehow been so moved by him. They've seen this guy who said he would die and rise again three days later and then they've seen him die and then they've actually seen him rise again and it's kind of, kind of raised their expectation, their belief of who this Jesus man is even more. And therefore when he comes back to life their expectation is, and we read it read it last week and looked at it, but the expectation is that this guy, okay, Jesus, when are you going to now take over? When are you now going to kind of be the one that becomes the king, the ruler, the one who brings this beautiful, peaceful kingdom? But when are you going to do that, Jesus? When are you going to overthrow the Roman Empire? When are you going to bring Israel back into its rightful place? When are you going to do these things, Jesus? And he kind of responds, no, 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 it's not me, it's you. 
And his response is, look, it's you guys. And then he, he ascends back into heaven 40 days after coming back from the dead. And, and they're kind of standing gazing at the sky, still not quite with the expectation of actually he's left us with the message. He's left us with the call. And therefore they, had, they talked about two guys in white robes, came by them and moved them. So why are you looking at the sky? Go back here because back here is where you're going to start your message from. Back here is when you're going to carry on what Jesus did. And we pick up in... in Acts verse 2, which is again is written by Luke, um, but this idea that they, they, that that's the context. These guys have seen what they perceived as their hope, as the answer, go. They kind of perhaps still not completely confident that everything that Jesus said would happen would happen, despite the fact they've seen him rise from the dead. And therefore they're in this upper room, maybe because they're in real full of faith, real expectation that God's going to move, maybe because they just don't know where else to go, maybe because they're a bit scared and they're worried about what persecution is going to befall them when they've just seen Jesus die. Yes, rise from the dead. Yes, go up into heaven, but they've still seen him be killed. So there's maybe all these kind of emotions and things mixed up in that. But then we get Acts 2 verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with, um, they were in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as we were rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not all... So, are not all these um, who speak Galileans? How is it that, they, that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and different, multiple different places. I'm not going to go through the names because my pronunciation of names is terrible. Etc, 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 etc. And you go to verse 12. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocked said they are full of new wine. One beautiful thing here is that when Jesus was born, the magi, the magicians, the kind of sorcerers from the east, saw a star in the sky because they were stargazers. The shepherds saw an angel in a field because they were in a field. But the significant thing about that is they saw a message to come to Jesus in a way that they understood. That the major understood the stars, and yet Jesus spoke to them, or God spoke to them through the stars. Which, if we really push that, is quite challenging. That can we expect people to be spoken to through their religious texts that are not the Bible? Can we expect people to be spoken through through their tarot card readings that are nothing to do with Scripture? Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is in those things in the sense that I don't believe that's the way to Him, but that He can speak into those things. And the challenging thing for me is this: is exactly the same things happening again that everybody around is hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language at the birth of the church. Mm. Isn't that just amazing that the message of, of Jesus Christ is communicated to every single one of these in a way they understand? Mm. And that's exactly what God's heart is for the, for the church, is that we communicate the wonderful works of God to people in a way that they understand. That doesn't mean we become weirdly relevant and lose everything to do with God at all, but it means that actually by us being who we are, that communicates it. 
Because these guys weren't trying to be something different. They weren't trying to say, well, let's try and be hip and cool and have lights and flashing machines and all this kind of stuff that goes on. They were just being who they were, but by being who they were, it was communicating to everybody in that space. Just a side note, that's not where we're going today, but anyway, that's just a point. Then it says in verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all of who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and, hear, and heed my words for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day but this is what was spoken by the prophet joel and it shall come to pass in these last days says god that will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams and on my men servants and my maid servants i'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy and i'll show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke then the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved and he continues to go on and on. we're going to pick that up later but there's this significant moment that, that not only have they received the Holy Spirit themselves, but Peter's saying, actually, this thing's been poured out on all flesh. This is not just for us in this kind of little room or this little space, but this is the declaration that's been poured out on all flesh. So again, the, the, this message has been communicated to them by A, in their own language, but B, actually, this is for you as well, guys. This is not just for us, this is for you as well. And that's not even where we're going today, but that's just the context. So you've got this idea that this... Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and he, he fills them and something changes in Peter and the 11 with him up in, the, in the upper room and the other 109 in the upper room, it changes something in them and they suddenly shift out from where they were into something. And I remember we've been having um, building work done on our garage, which is very exciting. And it's nice when it takes shape and things like that. Um, we had the electrician on Friday, and the electrician was putting in the weather, the kind of first fix for for the electrics and stuff like that. And anyway, so he's, he's drilling into the wall to try and put the lights into the wall. We're having some up lights in there and the plug sockets into the wall as well. And every now and again, I got home after school on Friday. Every now and again, we hear him. I'm not going to say exactly what he said. We hear him kind of give some kind of expletive every now and again. Um, and then he's like, then he gets back on with it um so i popped in later on um and he, he's a lovely guy but he said to me this, your your walls are so annoying and i was like i know tell me about it um because basically then the mortar in the walls is ridiculously hard and it just means that he was breaking multiple drill bits and multiple nails every time he's doing it so imagine he's like three nails on every single one of them because like the first one goes in bends it second one goes in a bit further bends it and then the third one finally gets all the way in anyway just amazing because i remember when we were putting our um, curtain roll up in our bedroom it's the same kind of external wall um, and this is kind of we moved in obviously want to make the house look nice and things like that and just could not get this into the wall so the drill bit would go kind of like part way and then just like stop so we broke drill bits um, eventually resorted to what I do with most DIY things and rang Susie's dad to say can you come and do this and I think at that point he genuinely thought Steve can't even drill a wall what, what is going on here uh, so he came around couldn't drill the wall either. I was like, I told you, it was not my fault. Um, got titanium drill bits and eventually went a bit further in. But still to this day, if you look at our curtain, it still hangs slightly off the wall because it just will not go in. Um, and the point is this, that the electrician had a lot more perseverance than I did because he managed to get the, it to go in and, and sort it out. But for me, that, this is what that's about. Because the early church the disciples had so many opportunities to give up along the way. Whether before even the Holy Spirit came, they had an opportunity to not bother believing Jesus had risen from the dead. They had an opportunity to not bother being with him when he, when he 
before he ascended, an opportunity when he ascended to think, oh man, he's gone again, what are we going to do now? The opportunity to not wait in the upper room. But all those moments, they, they persevered and the Holy Spirit came and it shifted something in the way that they persevered. It shifted something in the way that they did that. And for me, that, that is where we are as a community right now. That we're going to like drill into those walls and there's going to be points where I feel like this is not going any further. And then it's like, okay, and I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again, again. And then the Holy Spirit's almost like that titanium drill bit or that, that electrician that comes in and just goes, right, I'm going to help you persevere. Because perseverance isn't about just waiting. Perseverance is about keeping going. And there's a huge difference because sometimes we will persevere. That means I'll just, I'll just stay and wait until it happens. That, that's not perseverance. Perseverance is ability to keep going. And that, that for me is what happened with this other church here. Because the Holy Spirit came and enabled them to keep going enabled them to stand up Peter to stand up in that group and go this is what's happening and enabled them to keep going with the message that Jesus brought and bring it to a whole new range of people that Jesus never did Jesus never reached these people so I want to pick up the next verse so if you go to John 15 so the Holy Spirit came and, and Jesus talked about in John 15 it being to their advantage. Now obviously that doesn't necessarily make huge sense to them at the time because they don't believe it is to their advantage. And it says in John 15 verse 26, Jesus talking, he says, Look, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, and proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And he will bear witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. And then in verse 4 of chapter 16 it says this but these things I've told you that when the time comes you may remember that I told you told you of them and these things I do not say to you but at the beginning because I was with you but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are you going verse 6 but because I've said these things sorrow has filled your heart so again they're upset that Jesus is gone their opportunity to give up something is there that makes them think okay this is tough time do we keep going but then Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage. That in that space of sorrow, in that space of possibility of giving up, Jesus is actually saying, no, 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 this is space that gives you an advantage now. Me going gives you an advantage. Me disappearing gives you an opportunity for more. And therefore, he's saying, look, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father to sit and, and you see me no more. And of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, um, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. For he will glorify me, uh, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of what is mine and declare it to you or make it known to you. There's another translation there. The Jesus said, look, in this space of wanting to give up, in this space of sorrow, actually the ability to keep going is going to come because this Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to fill you. And in the early church you see that, that he came and he filled them and it enabled them to move from where they were and start to go out into to declaring the goodness and the grace and the wonderfulness of God. And it moved them from that place. And it's this idea that he's going to come and he's going to take Take of what is mine, and he's going to declare it to you. And he says this amazing thing. He said, look, everything the Father's got is mine. So what's Jesus really saying? Look, he's saying everything the Father has, everything that I have, the Holy Spirit's going to take the Father and the Son and make it known to you. So really, in a nutshell, what he's saying is he's going to take everything that is in heaven and make it known to you. That like we talked about this morning, there is more than enough. 
He said, look, in this space of where you think I've not got enough, there's sorrow, there's doubt whether I can continue, whether we can see, see breakthrough in that, whether that drill can really go in to the wall and do what we need it to do. Jesus is saying, look, look, I'm going to make sure every bit of heaven is available for you to be witnesses. And I really believe that God is challenging, he's challenging my thinking. What is my expectation? What, is, what am I expecting? Have I lowered my expectation because it's hard? And therefore I want a quick win. Nothing wrong with that, but I want a quick win. Have I lowered my expectation of what that curtain rail looks like? To go, actually, no, it's all right, that'll do. That's okay. Or have I allowed my expectation to be, continue to be raised? Continue to be at that point where I go, actually, no, it shouldn't look like that. That's not what we're expecting. Because it's been difficult, because it's been challenging. And we're all facing things. We all know people where actually the expectation of that situation changing is so difficult, it's so hard, it's so challenging, that actually, do we just accept with it being like that? And therefore, do we make a theology that just makes it fit? Do we kind of just go, okay, actually, God probably is okay with it being like that. I mean, they're better than they were before. Well, actually, maybe, maybe, maybe they just enjoy life that way. And we know those things aren't really true. But what we've done is we know that actually that curtain is not really meant to look like that. But we go, okay, but it's all right. No one really sees it, do they? It's only me and Susie that really see it. It doesn't really matter. And we justify. Mm. But the Holy Spirit's come and just saying, look, he's coming. He's going to make all of heaven available to you. He's going to take of heaven and make it known to you. Both so you can know that, but also so then you can be my witnesses. And God is shifting my mentality, maybe our mentality, to go actually look at the resources available, look at the situation you're facing, and know that that resource can change that situation. Because that's what He wants, and raising that expectation, raising that hope. And that's tough because then we risk disappointment. In Romans 8. I'm just <laughs> I'm really trying to stick to the, the lecture here, but I just literally jump all over the place. Romans 8 um, says this. I mean, it's beautiful. The scriptures they've chosen are really beautiful. But it's just interesting that I jump ahead to it and then I have to come up read the Bible verse to back up what I've just said. Um, Romans 8 verse 18 says this. Um, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which which will be revealed in us. So it's Paul talking. So he's talking about the church. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. Not only that we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we have... We're saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Listen to that word, with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit. Notice that he's talking about waiting for this hope that's not seen. Waiting for this hope that all of creation is crying out for. And what is that? The, 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 the sons of God will be revealed. Why? Because it brings creation into the liberty. Creation into the liberty of heaven. Because the sons of God are the ones who have the opportunity to experience what heaven is like. But not just experience it for themselves. Then go, okay, I'm going to bring this liberty into the earth. That freedom, that inclusion, that acceptance, that healing, that wholeness, that love. All those things that creation cries out for. It's saying that this hope is then, and creation is kind of just yearning for it, it's wanting it. And it's saying that if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. 
And it's not the idea I'm just going to wait for it to come. But he's saying, look, likewise the Spirit. Because when we're in that situation, saying, look, when you, you're hoping for something, when you're expecting something, but there's a frustration because it's not yet here, don't lower your expectation. Don't go, okay, well, I'll just accept the way it is right now. Or I'll get it a little bit better and then it'll be okay. But keep your expectation raised. Keep your expectation raised about what God is going to do through you, through us, in this city, in this nation, in this world. Keep that expectation high and then likewise the Spirit. Let, let, let the Holy Spirit come in and enable you to see, to do, to, to just persevere, to keep going, to be that titanium drill but that actually drills through the wall, that, that enables you to do those things. That also helps you in our weaknesses. For we do not know what, what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groans which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'm going to stop there because then it's going to the rest of it. But the idea is that, that the Holy Spirit comes along and just goes, well, I'm going to enable you to do that. Now, absolutely, that is completely personally as well. It could be situations that we are personally facing in terms of in our own bodies, in our own families. But it's beyond just that. It's that what is my expectation for the street that I live in? Like, really, if I really dare myself to, to think about what that looks like, do I dare do that? Because I think sometimes we just accept just here. As opposed to perhaps when we were younger or when we've had a really good weekend away or when, when we've had a really good night or whatever it may be, we kind of perhaps go here. But I do anything God's saying, look, go here. Don't bring it down to here because it looks tough. Don't accept the curtain rail because it's kind of like, okay, like that. But go, okay, well, what is it? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come and just infuse us in that moment. And it says, uh, let me just check I've not missed anything off there. Oh yeah, bit of geography for you. Um, a river, I'm sure you've heard this before, but a river does not erode. There's four different types of erosion which we won't go into. But a river do, does not just erode by power. It does erode by power, but it's not just by power. A river erodes by perseverance. Because a river continually, 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 continually goes at that same point. And yet rivers shape the landscape. They change the landscape. They literally change what it looks like. Isn't that a beautiful analogy of the fact that that's what he has called us as the church to do? To change the landscape. To make heaven, sorry, earth, look like heaven. And that doesn't come always through one bam suddenly there it's done it does happen like that but often it comes through perseverance that doesn't mean we wait for 50 years for something to happen some things might be a long game absolutely but it means perseverance doesn't mean waiting perseverance keeps going and keep going and keep going and therefore actually sometimes we it takes 50 years because we haven't kept going that's why it takes 50 years and people go then they create a theology about it it's going to say oh yeah you've got to wait 50 years before something happens but actually I'm not saying there's not a long game. There is absolutely that. But the point is that sometimes we are not persevering and therefore it doesn't change. But the rivers change the, change, change the landscape. I want to see the landscape of this city, of this nation changed that, while I'm here. I want to see the way that, that people interrelate to each other change. I want to see the way that, that, that there's no homeless people on our streets. I want to see that there's no division between ethnic groups in society. I want to see that there's no division between rich and poor. I want to see that, the, the, that there's no one sick. 
John G. Lake lived in a city in Spokane in, in, in Northern America and whilst he was there, he had a healing room in that place. Whilst he was there, nobody was sick. Nobody was sick. It is government certified by the United States government that that was the healthiest place in the whole of America. Because no one was sick. Now, we sometimes look at that, and John G. Lake had his character flaws, but he expected something in that realm of his life, and it's made present on the earth. Now, I'm not saying we have to measure it by that, but that is an aspect of what it wants what we can measure it by imagine that nobody in Coventry being sick nobody in Coventry dying prematurely nobody in Coventry having cancer why is that not a possible expectation because we have seen things that haven't happened but actually he said look wanting to persevere wanting to persevere wanting to persevere in that and now healing is a very obvious one because it's this person's sick now they're well but there's other things that are subtly different this person is isolated now they're not this person is divided against that person now they're not there's other ones too but it's the idea of what's our expectation or what we're raising that expectation to look like in our homes in our families in our streets in our city in our nation and beyond in our world and let's go to the last scripture i'm going to go to ezekiel 37 i have to admit i'm very very pleasantly surprised at the scriptures they use for the lectionary i was genuinely worried about what I was going to have to try and preach from. Um, but last week was brilliant. This week is probably even better. Um, just in the context, it's wonderful. Ezekiel 37. says this, verse 1. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Think about where he's been placed. In a valley full of bones. As a community, we have gone through significant changes in the last three years. We've gone through a point where we, it was iffy about whether we would even be a community, and we were. It was any iffy about whether we would stay and be settled at home, and we are. And yet, our destiny is not just to be in a valley of bones. Do you know what I mean? We're not just meant to be, as a community, in a valley of bones. And we're fine, we're great, that's great. Okay, and every now and again, we'll kind of bone collect whatever that looks like okay but that's not our purpose we are here we are home now our purpose is in the midst of where we find ourselves to bring change to that environment that's the expectation that we are in this city we are in spawn end we are in the streets and the neighbors we're placing as homes do we expect those to genuinely change tangibly change or have we accepted the kind of semi-crooked Curtain rail. I was like, it's kind of better, I suppose, a little bit. Okay, or is our expectation, do we dare go further? Because it's hard then. Because there will be points when we raise our expectation that it won't happen when we expect it to happen, when it, we thought it would happen. There'll be disappointment, and that's hard because then it's going, okay, let's go again. And not just lower it because that then makes us feel better. And anyway, so he's in a valley of bones. Then he was caused. Then, sorry, then he caused, so Ezekiel talking to God, about God, sorry. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many, love that, very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. Love the explanation. Very many and very dry. This is not a good situation he's finding himself in. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I love this answer. Because this is literally the cliche, I believe God, but I'm not going to put my neck out there, kind of answer. 
he's saying, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord, you know. <laughs> and isn't that like just it? Like, can this city genuinely be restored? Can it genuinely be a city of peace and reconciliation? God, absolutely, God knows. God knows. Okay. And just God's response is just brilliant. It says, okay. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. So he's not allowing him to just go, God, you know. He's going, actually, no, Ezekiel, you do something about it. You speak to the bones, Ezekiel. I'll tell you what to say, but you speak. That's his challenge to us. That's the challenge of ascension. It's Jesus going, I'm going to go, guys, because you're going to do it. That's the challenge of Pentecost. He's going to come, and he's going to make known to you, but you're going to do it. We have the whole of heaven available, but God said, no, no, you go and do it. You raise your expectation. You go and challenge that thing. You go and do those things. You go and change that. You pray. You, you fast. You intercede. You do those things. Not as a, a work, but as an expression of, okay, all of heaven's available. Let's change this. And he says, so he says, prophesy. I've lost where I am. Uh, it's pro- prophesy to the, these bones, verse 4, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you. Notice so there's, a, there's a stage by stage in, it, in their recovery. Um, and you shall live. Then then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on them, slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he command, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood, and they were on their feet and there was an exceedingly great army that is what we are here to do that the where it looks hopeless where it looks like that's never going to happen there's very many very dry bones this is not a good situation he has not brought us as a community just to be in a city and just to be in a rattly bone city. He has brought us to be in there to raise our expectations to go, okay, let's see that dry bone, those dry bones be an army. Be, be, a, be an expression of heaven on earth. Do I dare, and I, I'm trying to do I dare raise my expectations to such a degree that that's my expectation? And then do I dare go, okay, well, that's what we're going to do, but actually we're going to do this, but that church over there is going to do that. And that doesn't mean that what we do is invalid or what they do is invalid. It's just going to be in the same place at the same time. Because it's almost like sometimes we go, okay, well, well, they're doing it, so why do we need to? Or we go, we're doing it, so why do they need to? And we have this weird, like, flip-flap thing between the two of them. It's like, but actually... God said, no, no, just do what I've called you to do. But raise your expectation. Don't lower your expectation because someone else might be doing something. But also don't raise your expectation so that they can't do anything. But just raise your expectation. Have an expectation that what I've called you to do is there. Don't diminish it. Don't, don't dismiss it. And then he actually says, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So in the context of what we're talking about, the church, they indeed say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we are ourselves cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus the Lord God, uh, sorry, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall, then, then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you apart, up from your graves and I will give you my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in the own, 
Your own land, Danish shall know that I am the Lord, having spoken and performed it, says the Lord. It's just this idea that, that he's bringing life, but their life is prophesying, is spoken through Ezekiel. That Ezekiel's gone, God, God, you know, you, you know what's going to happen, God, you know. But he's going, no, no, Ezekiel, you, you speak to them, you bring life. And if we just jump, last thing, back into Acts 2. Just do a nice little kind of circular lap of it, which is always nice. Remember, they were looking at the sky. They said to Jesus, what are you going to do, Jesus? When are you going to restore this to Israel? And he's going to, no, I'm not. You are. Because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I believe that Peter remembered that. I believe that Peter remembered the fact that Jesus said, because Jesus is like, when are you going to do this? And he's going, no, I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it because you're going to receive power to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then we, we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then Peter, in verse 14, says, but Peter standing up with the eleven, not on his own, and that's significant, he was not on his own, but Peter standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said, then in the same way that Ezekiel spoke, in the same way that Jesus said, I'm not going to do it, guys, you are. Peter stood up and said something. He did something. And he goes on for ages in this about what Jesus has done and about what's happening. And we finish in verse... Well, we don't really finish there, but we can pick it up in verse 40. It says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptised, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Because Peter stood up and said something. Peter stood up and did something. Ezekiel stood up and said something. He did something. That God's challenge to us is, okay, raise your expectation, and then know that I've given you the ability. The Holy Spirit has come to give you the ability to persevere. That even when that expectation looks like it's not going to happen, I've given you the ability to persevere. Even when you kind of semi-tempted to accept the crooked curtain rail, I've given you the ability to keep drilling to keep going, to keep going until it looks like you know it's meant to look. Until that situation's changed the way you know it's meant to change. Until your street looks like you know it's meant to look. Until your family looks like you know it's meant to look. Until you, to your nation, your city looks like you know it's meant to look. Because it does not look like it's meant to look right now. It doesn't. And therefore, what do we know? What have we received that goes, actually, that's what heaven looks like. And earth's destiny is to look like heaven. And so until it does, it's not done. It's not finished. And that could be in big ways or in small ways. It could be that people are completely well in a city. It could be that people are completely reconciled in a city. It could be that people are completely given over to one another, preferring one another in a city. Whatever, I don't know, whatever it looks like. But until it looks like that, there's work to be done. And he's saying, look, don't lower your expectations to make us feel better. But keep them high and know that I'm going to help you persevere. That the Holy Spirit comes and he goes, I'm going to be with you to strengthen you in your weakness. Then that point where you find it like you want to give up, Likewise, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. And that isn't just individually that I spend time in prayer. It is absolutely that. But it is not just individually. It's that, like Barnabas. Barnabas came alongside Paul in Paul's weakness. And I will bang on about Barnabas for as long as you know me probably. But he came alongside Paul and strengthened him in his weakness. That's the Paracletos. That's the Holy Spirit coming alongside and strengthening in his weakness. Sometimes, God just said this word to me. Like It's been rattling around in my head for ages. But it's saying, you, some things you don't understand until, you, until you're doing it. And it's the idea that, that sometimes we, we have these nice ideas that the Holy Spirit is comforter. He's standby. He's strengthener. He's all these different words that that kind of word Paracletos means. And it's like we don't really experience those things until we're in a situation that needs us to. And it's the idea that, that, that he is strengthener. I don't really know what it is for the Holy Spirit to be strengthener. 
until I'm in a situation where I need strength. So until I raise my expectation and go, actually, that's what I'm aiming for, that's when I suddenly realise, oh my goodness me, you are the strength, aren't you? Because like in that moment, I've experienced him and I've known his strength to go, you can continue. You can continue. I know all that stuff, other stuff is there, but you can continue. You can get that drill in. You, you can see that curtain rail hung up properly. You can see your street, your family, your nation, your city look like heaven. It can happen. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just this week irritate the heck out of us because you would just buggers to raise our expectation and not let us settle for less not let us settle for nice expectations but not heavenly expectations that you would raise our expectation to see heaven come to earth that you'd raise our expectation to see our city look like heaven to see our family look like heaven to see our street look like heaven that you would raise our expectation for that to be the case because holy spirit thank you you've taken what is the father's what is the son's what is in heaven you've made it known to us that there is more than enough there is more than enough there's always more left and you've enabled that to be in us to be witnesses not just witnesses but witnesses that bring you kingdom your heavenly kingdom into this realm so just irritate us this week holy spirit not don't let us lower expectations and give us the boldness i pray to to walk out what you've shown us to do in jesus name amen cool. it's a pleasure